Morning, everyone. My name is David. Really good to be here with you, and hello to those on the live stream as well. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, let's pray as we come to hear the word preached. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this word uh, that you speak to us. Uh, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to uh, understand and to be transformed. And we pray, Father, today that we would be comforted uh, by the peace that comes through knowing the power of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I hope you could see as we're reading through the passage today that uh, a lot of it is about power. Yeah, power. And it seems to me that a lot of the big movie franchises of our time uh, are about power. Right, so here we go. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Right, that's about harnessing the power of the ring. Star Wars. It's about harnessing the power of the force. Uh, the Marvel movies is about harnessing the power of colourful stones. It's interesting, trust me, uh, if you watch that movie. But uh, they're popular movies because they're tapping into something that we all want, power. Okay, power means you can get things done. Power means you can overcome your problems. Power means you don't have to be afraid in life, but you can have peace. Wouldn't it be great to have power? Just this week I was thinking about, I would love to have power to slow down time. Just like get more things done. I'd love to have power to click my fingers and have the lawn mown. The edges done as well. That would be excellent power. We want power. Uh, The Gospels talk about power. Luke's Gospel actually talks about power more than all the other Gospels. Right, Luke's power is, is a power we see in Jesus. It's a power that comes through the Holy Spirit. Right, and we see Jesus, we see his power in the gospel. We see him healing the sick. We see him raising the dead. Right, wouldn't it be great to have those powers? Wouldn't it be great to have power over sickness? No more colds, no more COVID, no more cancer. All gone. Wouldn't it be great to have the power over death? Instead of losing someone, you can bring them back. We would all want that power, I'm sure. But what we see is that Jesus has that kind of power. We see that in chapter 8 today. We see it in three people. We're going to look at that today as we're going through. We see it in when he meets the demon-possessed man, the bleeding woman, and Jairus. All people that are suffering, all people that are powerless, but they meet a powerful saviour, who transforms their lives. And so we're going to look at each of these briefly and we're going to see the power of Jesus to transform lives very clearly. But then we're also going to see that that same power in Jesus is the power to transform our life today as well. We're going to see how those things relate. And so uh, let's have a look at these. Firstly, uh, the demon-possessed man. Now, I'm not going to have verse on the screen today, so if you've got your Bibles, it'd be great to have them open so you can read or you can just listen. So verse 26, chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Now, how is this man suffering and powerless? Uh, Well, you can see there he's possessed by a legion of demons, That means he was infested with thousands of demons. And now the thing to understand here is that demons in the Gospels 
are not like, you know, orcs in the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Not just like a made-up baddie. Okay, demons are real. And they live in this world, powerful spirits that exist in our world. And so this army of demons actually taken control of this man. And so what's happening to him? Well, he's, he's like an animal. Right? He's naked, living out in solitary places. Uh, the people of the town have tried to chain him up and to control him, like put him in some kind of zoo. But such is the power of legion, these demons, that he's breaking the chains and they are terrified of him. This man, he's been like this for a long time. Uh, he's been a prisoner in his own body under this power. But then Jesus comes to set him free. So have a look at verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. So how powerful must Jesus be that this legion, this this powerful, thousands of powerful demons see Jesus and they just enter into a plea bargain with him. They say, just don't, don't torture us. How powerful must Jesus be? At the time, um, Jews actually did exorcisms. Uh, they would do to get evil spirits out of people. Uh, but they would do it in kind of a really showy kind of way. There would be incense and incantations and medicines and kind of power objects that they would use. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't do, doesn't do any of that. He is just there. And the demons submit to him. And they have to ask his permission to do anything. It's kind of like a student asking a teacher for permission. Can I go to the bathroom, please? And they get the permission slip. Well, the demons have to ask Jesus if they can, if they can leave the man and go to the pigs rather than be tortured by Jesus. And so he, he gives them that permission. Uh, they leave the man, enter the pigs. The pigs run off and die. The pig farmers go and tell everyone in the town what has happened. And they come out and they find the man transformed. Have a look at verse 35. This man, uh, previously naked and, and wild, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. So his life's been transformed, set free from legion, sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's actually, that's the place of a disciple. Disciples sit at the feet of Jesus. That's where he is now. And so the people, they see this, and what's their response? They're afraid. <laughs> I think that's a perfectly sane response to have uh, because the man that you used to be terrified of, who used to chain up, he's now sitting at the feet of another man. So we used to be scared of that guy. We're now scared of this guy, okay? I'm scared of the guy that can control the other guy. They're so overcome with fear. that They, they ask Jesus to leave. They don't, they don't want him there. And so Jesus leaves. Uh, the man wants to go with him, but Jesus says, no, no, stay. Uh, tell everyone what God has done for you. Go and tell everyone what, what God has done for you, how God has transformed your life. Go talk about that. And that's the first story. And then we come to the next two stories, and I put them together because they, they make a sandwich, this story. You might have noticed that. Um, you know, the first story is like the bread of a sandwich. It's, it's at the top and the bottom, the beginning and the end. And then the other story in the middle is kind of like the meat of the story. 
And the reason that it's put together like this is to show us the stories are related. They, they, can, they interpret each other. Um, and so here we go. Uh, Jesus returns to Galilee by boat and the, the crowds, remember the crowds, they're waiting for Jesus, they love Jesus, they want to see him. Um, and then out of this crowd comes a man named Jairus and he has a problem. Uh, his daughter is about to die, wants Jesus to come heal her. And so Jesus goes to, to heal the daughter. Uh, and, and we'll come back to Jairus in a minute because on the way, as they're going to Jairus' house, uh, we meet a woman. Right? Uh, and how is she suffering and powerless? We'll have a look at verse 43. Verse 43. She'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, she's probably suffering from some kind of internal hemorrhaging uh, where um, just a constant blood flow coming from their body, they can't stop it. It's been happening for 12 years. 12 years is a long time. That was 2010. Well, that was when the first iPad was released, would you believe? The first one. That's a long time to be suffering. And, of course, she's, she's powerless. Can't do anything about it. Uh, Mark, in his gospel, tells us that she's seen many doctors, but they couldn't make her better. They actually made her worse. Now, I think Luke, the doctor, leaves that detail out. It doesn't look good for doctors, right? So we just... Let's not, let's not talk about that. Anyway, according... And, and this is probably the worst bit about it. According to the Jewish laws uh, in the Old Testament, this bleeding made her unclean. So she couldn't go to the temple to worship God. Uh, she also couldn't be a part of her community because she'd make them unclean. And so she was isolated from her community as well. So she is suffering. She is powerless. She's in a hopeless situation. But in Jesus, in his power, she sees hope. So have a look at verse 44. What does she do? Verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Right, what, what power in Jesus? This woman touches the fringe of his cloak and she is made better instantly. Now, I've seen my kids play this game. Their ears will prick up now. They play this game where one person's got to close their eyes and another person's got to like touch their clothes and you've got to say when you can feel them touching your clothes. Right, it's the kind of game that kids play, isn't it? It's just like a weird game. Anyway, Jesus would be the best at this game. He would know exactly when he has been touched because he, he knows, we can see here, he knows he's been touched. But why is it? Because he feels, verse 46, he feels that power has gone out from him. I know that power has gone out from me. And the reason he knows he's been touched is because he's been touched by faith by someone with faith. Because right? Peter says, look, the crowds are all around you. They're touching you. How, how do you know someone's touched you? What are you talking about? Someone's touched him by faith. Right? And he, he wants them to know that's what's healed them. It wasn't that his clothes were kind of magic or something like that. He wants them to know it was faith that made them well. So he stops and he wants to make that clear. And so he finds the woman... Uh, here's the story. In verse 48, uh, he says this to her. Verse 48. And if you're doing the little handout I gave you, the older kids, you can fill in the blanks. So verse 48. He says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, it's a really important little sentence. Uh, this word here translated healed, 
uh, is actually the same word used for saved, for salvation. Uh, And so it has that kind of double meaning in the Gospels where healing is talking about the healing from the physical uh, effects of sin in our sickness and things like that. And savings talking about healing from the deeper spiritual effects of sin uh, that leaves us under the wrath of God. And so these healings that Jesus does in the gospel, anytime he's healing someone, he's always pointing to that greater healing that he does in salvation. Salvation from sin and death for eternal life with God. And so you can see that when Jesus says to her to go in peace, right, it's more than going in, in the peace of uh, a healed body uh, and more than going in the peace of restored relationships with people in the community. It's actually going in the greater peace of restored relationship with God. That is the peace that she can walk in. That is how Jesus has transformed her life. Now back to Jairus. Uh, someone arrives and they say to Jairus, uh, your daughter who was sick, she is now dead, so don't bother Jesus anymore. Now how is Jairus here suffering and powerless? Pretty obvious, his, his daughter has died. Uh, most of us, I think, would know someone who has lost a child. Uh, it's incredibly sad. Um, words can't express the depth of sorrow they feel. Uh, they, they would just give anything to have their child back. They would do anything, but they know that there's nothing they can do. So they're suffering and they are powerless. But what is amazing about this point is that in this moment, Jesus says something to Jairus. He says, actually, you can do something right now. So what does he say to him in verse 50? He says, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. And so here's, here's where we see the link in the sandwich story, okay? Jesus is calling Jairus to faith in his power, right? The very same faith that the woman had had when she came to Jesus to touch his clothes. And then he says, if you, if you have that faith and that belief, your daughter will be healed. She'll be saved, right? The same way he had just seen the woman healed before his very eyes. Right, so they go to the house into the room of the daughter. She's lifeless on the bed. And here is the power of Jesus on display again. He says to her, verse 54, my child, get up. And she got up. There's an amazing power that Jesus has to raise the dead. There's a funny little thing that happens when she gets up, Jesus says to give her something to eat. I think that's because she's just like any other child. When she wakes up, first thing they say, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. Right, you know that? And so they give her something to eat. She is restored. She is back to normal. Now, but I wonder, where is the transformed life here? Right, obviously it's the girl. She went from death to life. But but what about Jairus? How has his life been transformed? Remember Jesus, what he said to him? He said, believe and she'll be healed. Well, she was healed, so therefore... He is believed. Like like the woman just before him, his faith had saved him. So now he too could go in the peace of restored relationship with God. Life transformed. 
So there's three people, uh, all of them suffering, powerless, all of them meet a powerful saviour who transforms their lives. And the question that we need to be asking is, how then does Jesus' power then relate to, to us today and to me? And here's the thing I want us to, to know about this. Jesus' power that transformed lives back then is the same power that transforms lives today. His power then is the same power that transforms lives today. And I know you're thinking, I'm not seeing demon-possessed people being exercised. I'm not seeing sicknesses be healed instantly. I'm not even seeing the dead being raised. And here's what we need to understand about the Gospels and what Jesus was doing is he didn't do those things back then and Luke didn't write about them so the church would then expect those exact same things to happen today. Now, I'm not saying Jesus can't do those things. Of course he can and absolutely he can and and sometimes he does. But he actually wants to do something better for his people. Jesus did those things back then so that his people today would know his power and that they would trust his power to save them. And not just now for, for some time, but eternally. That is the better thing. And so the, the real difference you need to understand in terms of time is between then and now is what has happened in between. Right? Jesus, uh, between then and now, has died and rose again. Right? The cross is the difference. So uh, every time I do, we do the Christianity Explored course here, you'll know about, every time we do Christianity Explored, one question gets asked every time without fail. And it's this question. Why does Jesus tell people not to talk about him? You ever had that question? Because it comes up today, right? He, he, tells the, he tells the parents, don't talk about me. But he tells the demon-possessed man, go and talk about me, right? So, so what's going on here? It's a great question uh, because actually what it does is it shows us the importance of the cross in salvation history. It shows the importance of the cross But also today, it's going to help us understand how the power of Jesus relates to us today. And so so here we go. So before the cross, um, here's the answer. Before the cross, Jesus' power cannot be fully understood. It's clear he has power, that he can heal people and do amazing things. But the purpose of his power is not fully known before the cross. And so he's very careful not to to spread it too broadly, uh, particularly amongst the Jews who are waiting for the Messiah, because they would misunderstand what his power was all about. And so just a side note, he, he tells the demon-possessed man to go and tell, because he lives in the Gentile region. They weren't waiting for a Messiah. Jesus is just this awesome, powerful dude that changed my life. Jesus says, go and tell everyone about me. But amongst the Jews, there's a lot of misunderstanding about this power and what it's for. But through the cross, uh, we see... Uh, Jesus' power fully displayed and what he came to do. So what looked like weakness in the eyes of the world as Jesus died upon the cross was actually this great and powerful victory. Right, as Jesus made atonement for sin and rose again, defeating death once and for all. And so then after the cross, you see this massive change, right? Um, we, we know the full extent of his power Jesus ascends to heaven at the right hand of God as Lord over all. And then, once his power is known, 
he sends out his disciples to tell the good news. Jesus is Lord, right? To preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins to all people. That's when he says, go and tell. And right, and so what is the power of Jesus today? Well, it's, it's the power of the gospel to transform lives. It's the power of the good news preached that transforms people's lives. Because right, the world today, you think about it, are we still suffering? Are we still powerless? Yes. And, and what is the deepest, most central, most important problem that we have? Well, it's that we are suffering under the power of sin, that we are prisoners under the power of Satan, that we are spiritually dead under the wrath of God. Right? We are people in our sin, completely powerless to do anything about that situation. But Jesus is still a powerful saviour. Right? And this is how he does it. When someone hears the good news about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, they, they believe in him. But that faith is like reaching out and touching his clothes like the woman and power going out from him to transform your life, to save you from sin and give you eternal life. But that, that is the power of the gospel. That's a miracle. That's a life transformed. When someone does that, someone hears the gospel and believes, do you know what happens? You then can live in the peace of a restored relationship with God for eternity. That's power. That is a miracle. But then it's good to keep going. The, the power of Jesus doesn't stop at conversion for us. Conversion is powerful, but, but we even see Jesus' power in us and for us as we live our life. So we see Jesus' power in us and for us as well. So the same power that Jesus had through the Holy Spirit is actually in his people. It's in believers. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And now this power that, that is in us is not ours to harness and to kind of use how we want. Kind of like the force, you know, the force with Luke Skywalker, how we can use it to move rocks. Why you'd want to do that, I don't know. But we have this power. But it's Jesus' power in us to work out his purposes, right? to shape us like himself, to grow us in his likeness. It's also not a power that, that makes us free from all weakness and all suffering. No, we still suffer, we are still weak. But it's a power that actually can display God's power in our weakness, in our suffering. So when you, when you, when you feel weak, you can actually show the power of God in your life, right? As you, as you know his power better, you can glorify him. And, and when you suffer... You can actually glorify God by trusting in his power even when you are suffering. Right? To know that he could change your circumstances but he's choosing not to and that is good for you. That's Jesus' power in us that we see in people. And we can do these things, we can live this way because we know that Jesus' power is also for us. Right? We know that Jesus right now is Lord over all, that he has risen, ascended, we know that nothing in the universe moves without his permission. Right? Jesus is sovereign over all powers, all sickness, all life, all death, all eternity. Right? And he tells us that in his great power, 
He's working for our good. He is doing good things for us. And this is the good, if I could put it in a sentence, I'd put it this way. The good that Jesus is doing is that he is carrying us through this life into eternal life with God. That is the good work he is doing for us now by his power. That is an amazing thing that Jesus is doing for us. Uh, Paul reflects upon it in Philippians, and we'll finish with this, as Paul reflects, reflects upon the power of God at work in us right now and what is coming in our future. Have a read of this with me. Now, Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So we can be certain of this. The power that we see of Jesus in the gospel uh, is the power that is at work in us and for us today. He is our powerful saviour who's transforming our lives now and will transform them finally in the future. Uh, What a great, powerful saviour we have. Let us know his power and let us trust his power until we see him face to face. Let's pray for those things now. Would you join me as I lead us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the amazing power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see revealed in the Gospels. Uh, Father, we thank you for the power revealed in the cross as Jesus died and rose again. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, transforming us uh, to know your power and to trust you. And Father, we do thank you for the power that enables you to rule over all things. Uh, And we know that you're going to carry us through this life into eternity when you will transform us finally to be with you forever. Uh, Father, we are thankful for this. Uh, Help us to know you. Uh, Help us to trust you above all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.